You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum as always and we are continuing our off-season discussion and evaluation shows moving on to the wide receiver position today and obviously there are some very promising things coming out of that group as well as some pretty major concerns all of which we're going to be addressing today as well as things you need to know about the draft class as well as the wide receiver free agents. But before we lead into the receiver discussion, we do have to discuss the recent move by the New York Giants and in addition to their new coaching staff under brand new head coach Joe Judge, they decided to hire current Dolphins defensive coordinator Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. Seemed like a bit of a surprising move and albeit the Joe Judge decision was also very surprising. Just to put a little bit of perspective on this, the Dolphins' defense was statistically one of the worst in the NFL, but to be completely fair, they also were one of the worst defenses in terms of talent, especially after they lost Mika Fitzpatrick. So a bit odd of a decision. We don't fully understand the reasoning behind it, but we can see in the sense of Joe Judge trying to bring someone in that he's familiar with and to establish some consistency. From that perspective, hiring Graham makes sense. He is a guy that Joe Judge knows from his time in New England. He is a guy the Giants know from his time as their defensive line coach from 2016 to 2017. So at least from that perspective, it makes sense. Personally, I was expecting the Giants to go for a coordinator who just has more experience Graham only has one season as a defensive coordinator, and that was last season for the Dolphins. I was really expecting the Giants to bring maybe Chris Richard back or reach out to Wade Phillips. Uh, we heard Brett Bielema's name tossed around. Guys who have just more experience running a unit, calling plays, that sort of thing. So it would give more of a support system to a young first-time head coach. I really want to dig into... Miami's defense and get a better feel for their scheme and what kind of things they at least wanted to do, even though, like you said, they just didn't have the players available to really execute. Yeah, it'll be tough to really figure out what that scheme is capable of that Graham will be implementing and bringing to the Giants, because if you look across the board, it was a bunch of backup players. It was a bunch of guys filling in. They didn't even have Xavier uh, Howard for a very long period of time because of injury. So they really had no pieces for him to play around with, get creative with. It doesn't surprise me that they were statistically as bad as they were. Their goal this season was to stockpile assets so then they can create and develop a team that fits the mold for Brian Flores. Now, there was a well-coached team because of Flores, 
we don't really know how much Graham had in the in the hand of that much development. We'll again have to see what comes from this. I was fully expecting a veteran defensive coordinator to be coming in. It, it's really not enough to go off of to have a full evaluation of if this was the right or the wrong move, but it does seem a bit odd considering you have a first-year head coach that is on the younger side that won't be calling plays. You would have assumed that they would have brought in someone that has been around, is a bit experienced, and knows really what to expect. The wide receiver position for the New York Giants this past season was underwhelming at times considering the amount of talent they had at their top three guys. But there were a lot of positives, especially that of Darius Slayton. And you can really credit that to wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert. And as soon as Pat Shermer was fired by the Giants, a lot of people were saying, hey, we need to bring back Tyke Tolbert as the wide receivers coach. He was a catalyst in the development of the young Darius Slayton who ended up receiving, leading the Giants in receiving yardage and receiving touchdown this past season. So, Chris, what does bringing back Tyke Tolbert as their receiving coach really mean for this Giants receiving group going forward? I th- I think it really means a lot. Outside of Thomas McGahee, Tyke Tolbert was really the Giants' best coach the last two years. He is a former receiver himself. He coached quite a few good receivers for Denver, and then the Giants brought him over. I feel like he is really good at getting young receivers to grasp the fundamentals of their positions, really work on honing their crafts, which I think is something we saw with Darius Slayton. Because coming out of Auburn, he was not a polished receiver. He isn't really a polished receiver yet, but he is much better than I think anyone really thought he was going to be as a rookie just in Things like his release, adjusting to the football, securing the football at the catch point, fighting for tough catches. And those are the things I think Tolbert has done a very good job with, with this receiving core. I think one of the things that kind of gets lost in the discussion about Daniel Jones is is the role his receivers played, and particularly the role they played in adjusting to the football, expanding catch windows, and really coming down with some difficult catches that they probably shouldn't have been able to make. The one that really stands out to me was the uh, Sterling Shepard touchdown in, in Green Bay where the ball was underthrown and just a very difficult catch in the snow. So that's what stands out to me. The big thing you, you hit on there was the fact that Darius Slayton was able to take such a big step forward despite having so many clear issues that he needed to work on. And you can attest that to Darius Slayton being a talented young receiver, but I think most of us really considered him to be a special teams guy, a guy that was big, athletic, fast. You usually draft the receiver in that range because you want to develop him into a depth piece that eventually does very, very well on special teams that can stick around for a few years. But he ended up overperforming because he led the Giants in receiving yards. And that wasn't because of all the injuries. That was because he was playing very well. He was making some good corners look silly on a number of plays and making some big catches and some huge long plays for touchdowns. 
leading to his eight touchdown receptions on the season. So that is very important, and we're going to discuss this later, that whoever they bring in and whatever other young guys they bring into this wide receiver room, Tolbert is going to be very, very crucial in developing other guys besides Slayton. And ultimately, it could lead to a very dangerous receiver group. They're one guy away from potentially being there, and that's something we're going to discuss later on in the show. But having Tolbert back is very, very important, and just in the sense of consistency and having the same guy also really does help keep things simple. They're familiar with this receiver's coach because he's already been there. They don't have to get used to a completely new coach. As far as things that we really like from this receiver group, the one thing that really stood out to us was their clear big play potential from Slayton, Golden Tate, and also Sterling Shepard. If you just look at their longs from the season, they all had receptions over 30 yards, and that is huge having three guys that are quick, they're fast, they're shifty, they can get off their man, they can make a play, they can score a touchdown from any spot on the field because they're that talented if they can properly scheme it. Having assets like that is very, very important, and it, it adds an extra level of explosiveness to the this Giants offense. Yeah, and I, I think that actually kind of caused some friction, at least with the Giants' identity, because offensively, Pat Shermer really wanted to run a safe ball control offense. But the Giants have big play personnel. They've got Evan Ingram. They've got Saquon Barkley, who we've talked about plenty. They've got three receivers in Shepard, Slayton, and Tate who are capable of generating those big plays. And that really does help open things up for the offense as long as you're willing to embrace it. For the most part, those big plays kind of came when the receivers were catching the ball and then making the first defender miss. They really weren't intended to be big plays, except for the ones from Slayton where they were using his speed and explosiveness vertically. Otherwise, it was a lot of horizontal plays that wound up being broken for big plays. That is something that, you know, that just really catches your eye watching these te- watching these receivers. And hopefully something the next offensive coordinator will kind of lean into a little bit more. The other big positive from the season, and you, you touched upon this when we were talking about Tolbert, is their ability to make big catches and bail out Daniel Jones. So Jones is very young. He's going to continue to make those decisions where he likes to force the ball into tight coverage. He'll eventually work his way out of that and be a little bit smarter with the football like we discussed in the quarterback show. However, he's still going to do those things. So when you have three players with good hands that can bail him out in those situations when he wants to force them the ball, that is a huge positive for this group. In any event where it is a post-up, one-on-one situation, they can make those tough contested catches and help out the, the this Giants offense and, and push the field and get those first downs. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just making contested catches. It was also showing a lot of toughness that did kind of bite them at times, which I think will be a nice segue into the next part of our show. But we saw these guys really show a lot of competitive toughness in how they were making their catches. Uh, Golden Tate coming down hard in the end zone. St- Sterling Shepard extending over the middle, even though he knew he was going to get rocked about it half second after making the catch Darius Slayton fighting through contact to make catches down the field that is 
another aspect of this receiving core that I don't think got enough attention, which just, again, their competitive toughness, their willingness to not just make tough catches, but be tough making the catches. A clear thing that we didn't really like from this receiver group was the fact that they were not able to stay healthy this season. There were constant nagging injuries from the top three guys throughout the whole year. Darius Slayton was out towards the beginning because of things that he was dealing with during training camp and the preseason. Golden Tate obviously missed time because of his suspension, but then also had his own injury issues. And then Sterling Shepard, the continuous concussion problems, I think is a huge red flag and a cause for concern because who knows if he takes one or two more big hits to the head, it's even more likely for him to get a concussion. At what point do you just shut it down if you're Sterling Shepard? We really don't know. We don't know what he's thinking. And if he gets into that position again and he's worried about his longevity and his future, he might decide that he no longer wants to play the game of football because he'd rather save his own brain, which you can't fault the guy for doing it. But staying healthy and on the field is what really kept this receiver group from being as explosive as they could possibly be. That was the biggest issue from the receiving group. You didn't have a guy go over 750 yards. The the top receiver was Darius Slayton with 740. And I don't credit that to, oh, maybe you didn't get certain guys enough touches. That's just because nobody was on the field for a full season. You didn't have a single guy that was on the field all year, and it's hard to get over 1,000 yards. And I could sit here and say like, oh, there's not a, uh, you know, a number one guy. Nobody went over a thousand yards. There's no clear outlet player. We weren't able to figure out if there was a clear outlet go-to guy on this receiving group specifically because of how injury prone all three of these players were. There's not really much you can do to correct this except finding ways to stay healthy, working with trainers, that kind of thing. But that's not even a hundred percent foolproof. You're at least next year hoping that all three of these guys are on the field for most of the games. Yeah, and especially with the concussion thing, that was a huge problem for the Giants, and it really has been a big problem league-wide. For me, the concern really is with Shepard and his brain just being healthy and being healthy for life after football and with his kids, and that really is the that really is what makes his toughness a double-edged sword. You know, he is willing to put his body on the line. Unfortunately, that gamble will turn against you at times. And as you said, just concussions make it more likely you're going to get another concussion. So that is something that I think definitely bears watching going forward. And that really does speak to the the big problem with this receiving core and that was consistency it was consistency staying on the field to be able to make plays get yardage make catches score all those things but then there were there were also problems with consistency and getting open using route running to create separation they probably wouldn't have had to make as many tough catches if they were able to create more separation with their routes that's not a complaint about Shepard. He is consistently excellent at that. But it just the other guys, uh, Benny Fowler, Cody Latimer, Slayton, that's one area where he definitely does need to improve, uh, getting more detailed in his route running, using that to set defensive backs up and really unleash his athleticism. There's also 
making catches and hanging on to the ball. We saw some drops, especially towards the sideline. The Giants had a few bad drops where they were either looking for the guy who was about to hit hit them or looking to make a move before the ball even got there. And those sort of things, in addition to their health issues, those really held the unit back. Consistency does derive from these issues. And the bigger one you said is that they consistently weren't able to get on the field and be on the field all at the same time. And also when they were all able to play and coming back from these injuries, we don't fully know how healthy they, they were. That could have been impacting and hindering them from being as explosive as they, they were possibly capable of being. But the, the big thing that you really note here is that there were times that there were lacks, uh, a huge lack of separation and an inability to get away from defensive backs and find an open window for Daniel Jones to get them the football. You watch Daniel Jones sit and hold the ball earlier on in the season and then take hits for fumbles, sacks, you name it. As much as you want to put that on Daniel Jones and saying, hey, maybe you need to dump this off. Hey, maybe you need to escape the pocket if, if you're holding the ball that long. On the flip side of that, you need your receivers to get open because a young quarterback is going to sit there in the pocket and wait for the right play. I think that's something like that can be corrected in coaching and worked on. And also it's very dependent on the offensive scheme. So I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on the receivers for this issue. Whoever they bring as their in as their offensive coordinator could extremely positively impact their ability to get open and finding a way to really hit on the skill set of this group, which is making bigger plays, making big catches. Finding ways to scheme these guys open will be very, very important. So you're really hoping to have a, a creative offensive coordinator that is willing to work with the, the various strengths of this unique group. But that being said, of all three of these guys, we do like who the Giants have at the receiver position. They have a nice blend of veteran and also a, a young, talented, developing first-year player going into his second year. However, I think Chris and I could both agree that they still need one other player to top off this group before they can take that next step. And we're going to discuss all of that, potential free agents, and also the wide receiver draft class. But before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On to the offseason, and the key thing here, instead of looking back at evaluating like we just did, let's look ahead and what the plan needs to be for the receiver position. I think the big thing here that we can both and all agree on is that they need to accumulate some depth to replace some of these unrestricted free agents, free agents that could potentially leave during free agency. So you have Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, Corey Coleman, and Cody Kaur. Not game-breaking guys, but if three or two of these guys leave, you're seriously in a hole in terms of depth and talent, and you need to go and either draft some young guys in the later rounds 
or sign some veteran players for some cheap money because, again, if you lose a couple of these players, there's some pretty glaring holes in terms of depth. Yeah, and it's depth that really does affect the entire team or at least the off- the offense and the special teams. And lacking depth and players on special teams also affects the defense. You know, we saw Cody Core emerge as a core special teamer and be responsible for pinning a few offenses back right at their own goal line, which really helped out the defense. And last year, uh, two years ago, 2018, Corey Coleman emerged from really nowhere just as a street-free agent to be one of the really dangerous kick returners in the NFL. The Giants were really hoping he would be their kick returner again this year and use that explosive speed of his to open things up downfield. We don't know what he is going to be like coming off of a torn ACL. We don't even know if he's going to be on the roster next year. I That will be something I think that comes down to who the next offensive coordinator is and just what they think of him and his potential role on the field. Cody Latimer is a nice guy. He, he is a good He's a good option as a number three or number four receiver, a guy who can really make those tough contested catches, but he's also a guy who more or less has to make those tough contested catches because he's another one who just really struggles to create separation. The Giants have depth at receiver, but like you said, they, they can't really afford to lose too many guys. It's I think it's an under-the-radar area of need for them. I think if you look at the top two guys discussed, Latimer and then Russell Shepard, they could really go without them if they end up leaving and going somewhere else. I don't think that would really hurt or hinder the Giants too much. But I I do like what you talked about and how good Cody Core was on special teams and how good of an asset Corey Coleman could be as a kick returner if he recovers properly from his injury that he suffered during the preseason. Both of those guys are probably going to be priorities to bring back considering Joe Judge's special teams background. And I think any other free agents that they decide to bring in as depth pieces that they bring in for small, simple contracts are probably going to be to fill out the depth on special teams and who can start and contribute on special teams. I've I've seen on Twitter a reoccurring thing, people joking about saying that Matthew Slater could come to the Giants because of that relation and him being an all-pro special teamer and also going to reunite with his special teams coordinator. I could 100% see that. I could see that something like that would make a lot of sense because that emphasis on special teams, bringing in a guy that does the right things, a veteran who doesn't need to be a number one receiver but goes out there and does his job. I don't think he would be overly expensive either because he's on the older side and he's strictly a special teams guy, but he would be brought in in the sense of being a locker room character player. There have been other guys in the past few years that have been brought in to serve that role but really weren't that useful. I think that if you bring in Slater, he does his job on special teams and he also can be a strong veteran presence. I wouldn't be too opposed to that. The the other thing that needs to be a a clear plan within either this offseason or the next offseason is finding a, a future number one receiver or a current one in free agency. 
all three of these guys are good receivers, but I don't see any of them being a number one guy. I and mean, we need to find someone that can be a consistent option for Daniel Jones. And maybe they draft someone and he doesn't develop right away into that type of a player, but you need to have someone in place that is a good option for Daniel Jones. Because ultimately, when you have guys that are getting hurt, that aren't consistently getting open, you need someone that is going to be the line of consistency, and that's only going to elevate this receiver group more. I haven't written about it yet, but just in how I kind of rank positional value i am really ready to move wide receiver up into that second tier along with offensive tackle edge rusher and cornerback at put quarterback up by itself because quarterback is really just a, a different position than any anywhere else on the football team if you don't have one of the if you don't have a good quarterback you're not going to win at least not win consistently but even though a lot of people kind of regard a wide receiver and specifically a number one wide receiver as a as a luxury it really does have an impact on a lot of other areas for example as we mentioned uh, having a good wide receiver makes it easier for the quarterback because the wide receiver is able to create separation quickly out of his routes that's something we saw Odell Beckham do just consistently and create a quick target for a quarterback to get the ball out before pressure even has a chance to get to him. We have seen it recently with A.J. Brown in Tennessee, uh, Amari Cooper in Dallas, and I believe there's enough data points to say with the Giants and Odell Beckham. They make it easier to run the ball because defenses have to respect that number one receiver. They have to scheme to try to take that receiver away and if they're doing that that limits what they can do elsewhere in the field if they are devoting a double team to stopping a receiver that takes a safety away from defending the run it limits what they're able to do with blitzes it limits what they're able to do with run defense they aren't as able to call eight-man boxes and really you see running backs with who have true number one receivers have an uptick in their efficiency they are better able to find favorable alignments and fronts in the defense and better able to just pick up more yards more consistently having that guy is an asset for really any offense you don't even really need that number one guy to, to become an all pro receiver when we say having a number one player you just need somebody that is the most talented out of the group and is the most consistent in being available and open for your quarterback and you can use as a primary focus in your scheme. I don't see any of the three guys right now as being a focal point for an offensive scheme. I see three guys that are talented and could be a good supporting cast to whoever they can potentially bring in. Now, as far as guys that they can bring in, the wide receiver free agent group is pretty scarce and the two names we were able to pull I'm not even fully content with but they're just names to throw out there I don't think that they need to be a priority in bringing in they need to throw a ton of money at them first one being Amari Cooper if he doesn't resign with the Dallas Cowboys which is probably very likely depending on how much they could sp spend on signing him for 
it would be a good number one option. We've seen him be very, very good since joining the Dallas Cowboys. He was good very early on with the Oakland Raiders. He's a consistent option. But again, do you really want to waste a ton of money on a number one receiver like Amari Cooper? And then the other player is potentially Robbie Anderson. This is a, a huge fat maybe. I'm not a big fan of Robbie Anderson, but he's really the next best young guy on this list that could potentially continue to develop into a good player. I don't see him as a number one receiver. Maybe if the Giants decide to think in the perspective of, hey, we have these three guys, maybe we just add another number two, number three slot type of a player and fill out the roster and the receiver group. If you bring in Robbie Anderson, he could kind of fit that role. He would not be a number one receiver, but athletic, fast, can make some big plays. Yeah, honestly, unless the Giants are looking down the depth chart, looking for a role player to kind of come in, help fill out their special teams, be a depth guy, you know, basically a, another Cody Latimer, I would not really look to the look to free agency to fill out the wide receiver core for two reasons. Number one, I think those guys are going to price themselves out of just what the giants are willing to spend on a wide receiver, especially considering they might have to look, they might have to sign a right tackle. They might have, they're probably going to have to sign an edge rusher, even though I just, even though I just got done saying that wide receiver is a premium position and having a good one really helps your whole team out. I think this is just a case where scarcity just let other teams go after those guys. And the reason I say that is this is a very good receiver draft. I'm not going to say it's going to be as good as the 2014 receiver draft, but it is going to be a very good receiver draft. There are a bunch of guys just on all three days who could fit pretty much any kind of offensive scheme you want. So that is where I would look to find a receiver. I think they are a lot better off in drafting someone, and this is the receiver class to do that. They could take the approach of what the Baltimore Ravens did, which is drafting two guys, maybe one a little bit earlier on, one a lot later in the draft, you know, towards the sixth, fifth, seventh round, you name it. They have a couple extra seventh rounders sitting in that range. So that might be a better option because they don't have to spend as much money. They could see who develops. If you see that success of Darius Slayton developing as a later round guy, this class has that much talent that you could have a similar situation of a fourth or a fifth rounder developing into a good option. That opens up the discussion here of where could they be taking a receiver? And the first two guys that come to mind are Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who are a 1A, 1B in this year's draft class. But the the real question here is, is the fourth overall pick too early to take either of those guys. And frankly, in my perspective, I think yes. I think four is way too early to take a receiver. You'd have to really be getting a home run player. And I think while both these guys are very talented, there's other issues that they need to address first. That does not mean, though, that the Giants should not be doing what we've spoke about, which is trying to trade back and allow a very quarterback needy team, maybe one that has extra draft capital in the first round, slide back a little bit, use one of those picks to get Judy or Lamb if they're 
instead of four, maybe a few picks back in the top 10, that would be a little bit, make a little bit more sense. If the Giants decided to take Jerry Judy at four or CD Lamb, I think they could, I think the final ranking of them really will be in the eye of the beholder and what individual offensive coordinators are really looking for in a receiver. If the Giants wound up taking one of them, I'd have a hard time really, really criticizing it because I, as much as the Giants have other holes to fill, uh, offensive tackle, edge, linebacker, safety, um, <laughs> center, we, we can keep going. I think they could find good ones at the top of the second round as well, especially at offensive tackle. There's the distinct possibility they could get a guy who is really only a small step behind whichever one of the top three offensive tackles you wind up grading as the top offensive tackle. I don't see that closeness with, at the receiving position. Judy and Lamb kind of are at a different level from everybody else. But if the Giants wind up trading back, maybe with the Jaguars, who I think you could argue have a need at quarterback unless they really want to roll with Gardner Minshew, then you probably would be able to get either Judy or Lamb at ninth overall, plus having extra picks. Or maybe trade back, look at uh, uh, Henry Ruggs, also out of Alabama, or LaVisca Chanel out of Colorado. Chanel is, he isn't getting a whole lot of national buzz yet, but that will come. Uh, Henry Ruggs definitely has has national buzz. The other thing, too, with this receiver group is that there's so many talented guys towards the back end of things, and in that later second round early first or sorry late first round range there's a shot that teams might be thinking to themselves oh we don't need to take this receiver right now because we can get somebody else that's of similar quality a little bit later on so the Giants could benefit from that from guys sliding falling a little bit deeper than expected somebody that could fit that happening like you said is Henry Ruggs maybe he is available towards the very end of the first round and that would be a much more comfortable situation of the Giants having an early second round pick trading back in into that 25 or later range taking a receiver that they really really like and that can be a dominant player they don't need to go out of their way to draft Jerry Judy or CD Lamb very early on when you could get somebody that might not be has a, have as high of a ceiling, but still could be very, very talented as your number one receiver. And if they choose not to trade back, there are a lot of second round guys that could either slide up into the first round or the other possibility is talented first round guys sliding into the second round. Some of these names that are worth knowing are Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, Justin Jefferson from LSU, Michael Pittman from USC, and then also T. Higgins from Clemson. Any of them can slide and still be taken and developed into a talented receiver. The key trait here I think that is discernible from all these guys is that they're very big. They've got long arms. They're they're bigger bodied receivers over that six foot one range. And I think that's what the Giants need right now because you have Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard who are on the shorter side. Darius Slayton's the only taller receiver that you have. It would really benefit this receiver group to take in another tall guy. One of the things uh, Dan Pizzuto used to say you know, about this time last year is when you're building a football team, especially building a receiving corp, build it like a basketball team. And I didn't mean that to say just get big, tall guys, but get a variety of skill sets. 
get your point guard, a, a guy like Sterling Shepard, who can be your volume catcher, who can move the chains, but also make big plays, who can create separation and be the dependable go-to guy, but then also get your big athletic power forward who can really really impose his will on the defense with just size and athleticism and then get your perimeter shooters the guys who can be down the field to make big plays and right now the giants don't have a huge a huge variety of skill sets they the top of their receiving core is really just one skill set they have a bunch of slot receivers they don't have much in the way of perimeter receiving talent and that i think is an area they should look to upgrade and in particular find a find an x receiver a guy who can line up on the line of scrimmage against the other team's number one corner and get a good release against press coverage and really be that go-to guy that the giants don't really have right now. The good thing is this draft class really plays to the Giants' situation in the sense that it has a ton of really tall, athletic, aggressive receivers that could develop into that type of a player that they're looking for. Really, any of the guys that we named, besides maybe Henry Ruggs, are on the bigger side. They're they're athletic, they're rangy, they have a lot of length to them, so they could take someone really at any point. And I think another name to pay attention to in the later rounds of third and fourth round, depending on how his draft stock ends up finishing out, he could be a big riser is Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Big, big receiver of six foot four, fits that power forward type mold like you were discussing. Any of these guys, really, you could be completely okay with taking somebody in that second to four range and filling that need of a potential receiver and the perfect example of saying taking a guy in that second to four range could work out for the Giants is Michael Thomas was a second round receiver he wasn't a first rounder they could find that guy that has the assets and the pieces and the talent that they're looking for and develop and hone in on those things so then they have a full complete receiver group the one thing I will say, though, is that I think that this draft would be a complete failure if they did not take at least one receiver at some point in this draft class. There's too many talented guys. There's too many guys that are going to slip and fall and be in the later rounds of the draft that should not be that far because of how many talented receivers there are. The Giants need to take somebody, and I would be very, very discontent if they did not take a receiver in this draft class. I don't know about you, Chris, but it would be completely bug me if they did not take at least one guy, even if it's in the seventh round. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are guys who could probably be starters. Maybe not that number one X receiver, but at least starters clear down through the top 100. So there are definitely going to be guys in the probably into the fourth round that the Giants could draft who could help this offense and who could make life a lot easier for Daniel Jones and by virtue of that make life a lot easier for Saquon Barkley and a lot easier for the defense so as much as Giants fans probably don't want to hear that the Giants need to draft a wide receiver the Giants need to draft a wide receiver 
And hopefully they do, and hopefully they pick the right guy. And we'll continue to, to discuss and break down other potential receivers as this offseason and draft process continues. Thank you for tuning in. As always, folks, be sure if you have any questions to either send them into us on Twitter. We've already had some people sending us their questions and following more frequently after we did the first mailbag. So very content with that on social media. You can tweet at us at Big Blue View or at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor MKII, but more specifically, send those questions into the Facebook, or you can also send it into our Gmail. That's BigBlueView at gmail.com. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us, and let us know what you think of the show.